But if you have a Bible with you this morning, let me encourage you to take it and turn to the central passage we're going to pull these thoughts from, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, the very first book in your New Testament, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, and even if you do, you'll probably want to reach inside your worship folder and pull out these message notes. That's got the verses that we're going to look at, including this first verse, Matthew 18, 15. Some blanks that you can fill in if you care to do so, and a little white space in the margin where you can write down some other things if you would like to do it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Like I say, we'll go to other passages, but keep your Bible open to this one because this is the one we're going to keep coming back to. Here's what it says. It says, if your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, the message, words it this way. He says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. So let's talk about this. Four thoughts that we're going to kind of hang um, what we're talking about today. These four points right out of Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Here's the first one, if you care to fill in the blank. It's this, that conflict is going to happen. We live in a fallen world where sin occurs. You see, because Adam and Eve fell into sin, because they chose to disobey God, sin entered into our world. And what came with sin was the consequences of sin. You see, when sin occurs, there's consequences. The consequences that I suffer for my own sin... And the consequences that I suffer, not because of what I do, but just because I live in a world where other people sin. There's consequences that come. We live in a fallen world. People are going to sin. And people are going to sin against you. And conflict will happen. It might come as a result of a direct action. It might come indirectly. Just It might become because of a misunderstanding that happens because people do misunderstand because we live in a fallen world. It might come because of words that are powerful and hurtful. It might become, become because of gossip. But conflict is going to happen. Listen to me. Stop being surprised when conflict happens. Sometimes people say, well, but we're Christians. And I mean, you know, Christians shouldn't behave this way. Look, how many of you would say, unapologetically, I'm a follower of Christ today? Raise your hand, okay? Now, of those people who raised your hand, how many of you would say, I sin? I still sin. Okay, you got it? Conflict. People sin. You sin. People will sin against you. Conflict is going to happen. It's a natural human part of living in a fallen world. And we have to understand that just having a lack of conflict doesn't mean we're mature. See, sometimes that's what we think. Well, well, we're, we're mature. We shouldn't have any conflict. That's not true. Conflict is going to happen. Where maturity comes in is how you handle conflict when it occurs. The problem is 
We get most of our understanding about how to deal with conflict from the non-Christians we work with or from the television shows that we watch instead of from the Word of God. See, here's in our culture how we, t- we tend to deal with conflict in one of four ways. One of the ways that we deal with conflict in our culture is we just ignore it. We just kind of hope it'll get better. It'll just go away if we just ignore it. You know, things rarely get better when you just ignore them. Did you know that? That's true in every venture of life, isn't it? I have a friend, their, their, their lights kept going out in their building. And so what they would do is they would go over and turn off the master switch and turn it back on. And then about 24, all the lights would come back on. And about 24 hours later, that part of the building, the lights would go off again. So they would go to the master switch, turn it all off, turn it back on. All the lights would come on. Finally, about four or five days into it, somebody thought, you know, there's probably a reason that the lights keep going off in this particular part of the building. So they went out to the junction box for that. And here's what they found. They found that it was starting to melt in that part of the building, the wire for that part of the building. I mean, if they would have kept ignoring it, they'd have probably burnt the whole place down or at least destroyed the wiring for a whole lot of that part of the building. See, things rarely get better if you just ignore them. That's true in conflict, too. But see, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves into saying, well, you know, hey, it's really not that big of a deal. (laughs) But it is that big of a deal. Or... You know, I don't really want to make an issue out of it. Meanwhile, you think about it all the time. See, it's an issue. You're just not willing to admit it that it's an issue. Or how about this one? Christians do this all the time. Well, I'm just going to pray about it. Pray about it. That's a good thing. But that doesn't substitute your need to follow what it says in Matthew 18. To go to deal with it. Don't just ignore it. Or here's another one that Christians do. You know... I've forgiven them, and so it's over with. But, but meanwhile, you still keep having these private conversations with that person in your head. You know what I'm talking about? See, it's not over with. Things rarely get better when you just ignore them. But that's one of the ways we deal with it in our culture. Another way that we deal with it in our culture is we just bail out of the relationships. See, rather than deal with it, we just find another church, or find another friend, or find another small group, or find another whatever. See, we just bail out of the relationships. Or another way that we deal with it in our culture is we turn into attack mode. I call this the John and Kate approach right here. (laughs) You know, we say hurtful things. We do hurtful things all to get back at the other person. Or another way we deal with it in our culture is we attack, but we do it in a more subtle way, kind of a passive-aggressive way. You know, I'm going to get back at you But I'm not going to do it directly. You know, I'll just kind of mope around. So what's the matter? Nothing. You know, everything's fine. And I'm kind of getting back at you, but I'm not doing it directly. Or we give people the cold shoulder, see, to kind of get back at them kind of thing. But listen, none of these ways are God's ways of resolving conflict. So let's talk this morning about what we should do based upon the Word of God when conflict happens. And so here's the second point. When conflict occurs, you go. Isn't that what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15? It says, when this happens, you go. You initiate the conversation over it. You 
bring it up. You say to them, hey, listen, can we get together and talk about this thing that's going on? You approach the other person. You know, you don't say, well, they caused it. I'm waiting for them to bring it up. No, you don't do that. You go. Now, why don't we go? Sometimes it's because we're proud. Sometimes it's because we're afraid. Sometimes it's because we're stubborn. But listen, every time you listen to those emotions instead of the word of God, it's going to get you in trouble. Isn't that true? You need to go. That's what God's word says. You go when there's conflict. You bring it up. You say, can we talk about it? Now, there's a couple things that you ought to do before you go. One of the things you should do before you go is you need to ask yourself, why, why is this thing a big issue for me? I mean, when you think about it, each of us probably has two dozen opportunities to get offended a day. Wouldn't you figure? I mean, people say things, people do things, people walk by and we have expectations and they don't meet our expectations. And I mean, we have opportunities all the time to be offended. But, but something happened that caused this situation to be offensive for me. Why is that? You need to spend some time reflecting on that. Talking to God about that. Looking inside. Why? What's going on with me in this situation that makes it such a big deal here? A lot of times it's hurt. It can be frustration. Again, it could be fear. It could be any one of a number of things. But that's one of the things you do before you go. You think, you spend some time reflecting on that. Hey, hey, what's going on in me that's causing this to be such a big issue? And then the other thing that you should do before you go is you need to kind of think, what is it that I really want from this person? What is it in my mind that will make this situation okay? Maybe it's an apology. Uh, maybe it's an admission that what they did hurt you or was wrong for you or whatever. Maybe it's um, you want some change on their part. But, but you need to think, what is it that I want from this other person to remedy this? Now, you may not get what you want. I mean, maybe what you want isn't realistic. Maybe what you want isn't even justified because the whole basis of the conflict is uh, the misunderstanding of how you're reading the facts versus how they're reading the facts. And if you really got the facts straight, <laughs> you wouldn't even, shouldn't even have that. Maybe it's not even justified. Sometimes what we want is the wrong thing. Did you ever know that's that? I mean, sometimes what we want is we just want revenge. You know, we want our pound of flesh. We want them to suffer because we had to suffer. God's not in that. We need to recognize that. Often... We don't get what we want or we won't get what we want because the other person just won't cooperate with us. You know, they won't see it our way or they won't come around to viewing it that way. But it's important that in our mind, before we go, we have thought about this. We've thought, what's going on in me that's causing this to be an issue? And what is it that I think I want from this other person? And then you go. Point number three says that not only do you go, but you go directly to the person involved. Again, that's what it says in Matthew 18, 15, isn't it? It says, just between the two of you. 
See, our problem is often that when an offense occurs, we talk to everybody but the people we ought to be talking to. You know, when you get right down to it, there's really only two people or groups of people that really can be a part of the solution. One is the person or the people that you have the offense with. And two would be God. (laughs) You know, it's always right to talk to those two groups of people. But we need to be judicious about who else it is that we talk to, that we bring into this. Now, I'm not saying you don't talk to other people. You, you can do that and you need to be, but you just need to be judicious about it because the main point is we need to be talking to the person that we have the issue with. You go directly just between the two of you to talk to them. And when you go, do it in private, just between the two of you. Approach the other person the way you would want to be approached if the shoe was on the other foot. See, don't go in with both guns blazing. Don't send them an email. Don't Twitter it. Don't send them a text. Don't put a note on their Facebook page. You go directly to them. At at the very least, it should be voice-to-voice on the phone, and face-to-face is even better. And when you go, you come to listen as well as to talk. Did you hear that? You come to listen as well as to talk. You seek to understand first and then be understood. James puts it this way in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick... To listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, make your first priority to listen and then talk. And sometimes it's emotional. It's not saying don't have emotions. It's saying just make sure you keep those emotions intact. Sometimes in the middle of it, as you find yourself getting emotional, you got to say, listen, can we just take a two-minute break? I need to... I just need to step away here. And you go and you talk, God, help me stay under control in this. But you listen. You see, you come to listen as well as to talk. And then what I'd like to give you this morning is just six keys to help you unlock the padlock of conflict. I have, you know, this is my key ring. I have more of these grocery store things on here than I do keys, I think. But I have an assortment of keys to different things, and they fit different things, and I use them, and they work. I think these are just six practical things I'd encourage you to use when you're dealing with conflict, when you're going directly to this brother or sister. Here's key number one is the key of commitment. You see, you have the mindset that we're going to stay at this until we get to a place that we can both be okay with. We might still disagree, But we're going to stay at this until we have a sense that both of us feel heard by the other person. We're going to choose to love each other more than our disagreement. Above our disagreement. Above our conflict. We're going to determine to value the relationship over this disagreement. See, listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, Finally, All of you live in harmony with one another. 
Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. And be compassionate and humble. Man, there's a message worth of content just in that verse alone. That you strive to live in harmony. Harmony doesn't mean that you're, you're exactly alike. In music, harmony is not the exact same sound. It's two different sounds that'll line up with each other. That's what you're seeking to do. To come to that place where you can be in agreement with each other. Not necessarily that you agree, but that you can be in agreement with each other. That you're going to love each other like brothers. There's that commitment to each other. And that you're going to have compassion. You know, compassion is is when you put yourself in that other person's place. You, 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 You imagine in your mind what it would be like to go through that so that you feel just an I get an idea of what, what it must feel like to go through that. that. You put yourself in their place. You try to see their point of view. And you do it with humility. You're humble about it. You're committed to the relationship even above the disagreement. Had a situation with um, a friend of mine a few years ago. I had uh, used an a, a, a illustration in a message from the movie Air Force One. Harrison Ford movie. It's rated R. And my friend was of the opinion that you should never, a Christian should never see a a movie that's rated R. And so one day he, we encountered each other in the parking lot and, and he, you know, started into me and man, I can't believe, and you're a pastor and, you know, I'm surprised God didn't strike the building with fire right on the spot, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm exaggerating, but we kind of got into a conflict over this. And as we went, I thought, we're just going to disagree. Now, I'm very judicious about what I see. I'm not saying that Christians should just haphazardly go see everything. I think you need to be very careful about what you let into your mind. But I don't think the bottom line is just what that number, that, that letter is on it. You've got to do the research. You've got to know what it is before you go see it. And I felt okay about this movie. And he didn't. He, he had a very firm stand. He felt very clear on his position, so we're going back and forth on it. And right in the middle of it, he just turned, and he started walking towards his truck. And being the timid kind of guy that I am, I ran after him. And he had the door partway open, and I put my hand up on the top, and I closed it, and I said, listen, we can stand out here and argue with each other all day. But as my brother, you can't just walk away from me. I think that's the kind of commitment we have to have each, to each other. You know, we're going to stay at this. We're going to be committed to each other. When we get to the end, we may still not agree, but you know what? We're going to stay at it. We're going to be committed to the relationship with each other. Maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, but, but what if they aren't committed? Maybe they aren't committed to the relationship like I want to be, or maybe they're not committed to this process, what I do. Here's a key verse for you, Romans chapter 12. Verse 18, it says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. You might want to circle that phrase. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So you can't control what the other person does. But you want to make sure as far as it depends upon you, you're going to take the steps of being committed to that person. That's the first key. Here's the second key. It's the key of communication. 
You see, you need to talk to each other, not everybody else. And let me tell you, it's not more godly to just quietly walk away. It's cowardly. It's disrespectful. It violates key number one. I had a situation in, in our church where um, a guy was leading worship one Sunday, not our normal worship leader, and uh, he had decided in the middle uh, of the worship time to do this thing. A guy on the worship team, he just kind of spent about 10 minutes lauding praise onto him because of the kind of guy he was. And, you know, he had physical challenges and he overcame those in order to be able to lead worship this other guy that he was praising. And I, I agreed with everything he said. But here's what I knew. It was 10 minutes that wasn't planned into the service. I know that what happens is when you go over, people leave, you know. And so we finished that first service. We had two Sunday morning services. We finished that first service. And, and um, I came to him and I said, listen, man, great job on worship. But let me talk to you about that time you spent talking about this fella here. I said, man, I, what you said, I appreciated it was good. But there's a time element we've got to work here. Can we do something different? Could we maybe not do that at all since it wasn't in the plan? Or could we shorten it? Or maybe in order to do it, maybe we need to take out another song to do that. Uh, but, but I'm really concerned about the time. And he said, sure. That's what he said to me. Sure. That was the extent of our verbal talking there. And uh, so we went. Second service went great. And, you know... He just skipped that element altogether in the second service, and um, I thought everything was fine. Till about two months later, when I hear through the grapevine that they're leaving the church. And uh, the reason they're leaving the church is because of the way that I offended him, and uh, how I wasn't open to the moving of the Spirit, and, uh, you know, these kinds of things. So, so I called him up, and I said, man, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, I just didn't want to make a big deal. You know, so we're just going to leave. We're just going to go to this other church. And um, I, I, <laughs> I sought to try to work it through with him and assured him that offending him was the last thing I would have ever wanted to do. And, um, but they left, went to a different church. <laughs> it's not more godly to just quietly walk away. See, Matthew 18 says you go. And you go directly to that person. But let's be honest. I mean, communicating. I mean, it can be difficult, right? It can be painful. It can be hard. It can be very arduous. And just to be honest, a lot of times it would be easier to just walk away, wouldn't it? But it's not a matter of what's easiest. It's a matter of what God says we ought to do. You need to communicate. See, I think we settle for far too short of a goal most of the time, and that goal is just having the absence of conflict. But God wants us to go deeper. He wants to go, us to go deeper in our marriages and in our relationships and in our, our friendships. He wants us to have community. Do you notice the commonness between the word community and the word communication? So you have to talk to each other to get to community. And so you go and 
You describe clearly what the issue is. You explain how it hurts you. you. You talk about the consequences that came out of this for you or in your relationship. And you tell them what change you'd like to see happen. Now, I want to teach you a, a little something that some of you, probably most of you aren't familiar with, but it's just a thing called I statements. And if you look right there under key number two, I've even written it out for you. It's learning to use this phrase right here. When you fill in the blank, I feel, fill in that blank, because, another blank, and so I would like the last blank. When you joke about my intelligence or my lack of intelligence in front of your friends, I, I feel undervalued. I feel unappreciated. I, I, I feel hurt. Because I want so much to be valued by you, to be appreciated by you, to, for you to see me for who I am. And, and, and I know you don't mean it, but, but, but I, this is what I feel when that happens. And so I would like you to stop joking with your friends about how smart I am or aren't. Does that make sense? As you learn to use, I, I, it's just a great way of being able to communicate about what the behavior is. See, you're going to, it's not coming in pointing fingers. It's not talking about you being wrong. It's here's the behavior and how this behavior is impacting me. And here's what I see would be the solution would be if you do these things. You communicate. That's the second key. The third key you use is Aretha Franklin's favorite key. It's the key of respect. That's spelled R-E-S-P-E-C-T, for those of you who didn't know that. You respect the person. Listen, it's a myth that venting your anger will make it better. That's not true. You need to be under control. And you need to treat the other person with the respect that you desire from them. Isn't that what it says in the golden rule? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 31, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Respect them the way that you would want them to respect you. You say, but they don't treat me respectfully. That's just the point. You treat them not with the respect that they are giving you, but with the respect you desire that they would give you. You use the key of respect. Key number four is humility. You know, often the source of our problem is just our pride, isn't it? Isn't it? I was in a conflict with... Um, a guy a couple weeks ago, and he had called me out on something, and I was going back and forth with him on it. And about two minutes in, I realized, you know, he's just right. I mean, I, I'm only arguing because I'm just proud. I'm, I, I have, that's it. I'm just proud. 
Remember we read earlier in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Be compassionate and humble. Man, when you recognize your pride in a situation, say right there, recognize it. Call it what it is and say, you know what? I, I choose not to be proud anymore. I'm sorry. You're right. You use the key of humility. Key number five is you use the key of hard work. See, you don't quit until you come to a place that you can be okay with each other. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, the first three verses, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And be completely humble. There's key number four again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then circle these next three words. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do everything you can. Stay at it. Work hard until you come to that place that you can both be okay with each other. And then key number six is the key of prayer. Now, just because it's listed last, it doesn't mean it's the last thing you do. It should probably be the first thing that you do. You talk to God. You talk to God about your feelings. <clears throat> you talk to God about the conflict. You talk to God about the other person. You talk to God about your attitudes in this as you're examining and seeing those. You talk to God about forgiveness. You know, usually that's a big piece in this thing is forgiving the other person. We do encounter weekends around here. You'll hear us talk about those. In fact, we just had a women's encounter last weekend and we've got a men's encounter coming up the middle of November. If you've never been on an encounter, I'd highly encourage you to consider going sometime. But there's a lot of ways that the devil gains legal ground in our lives. But, you know, for a lot of people, one of the big issues is forgiveness, unforgiveness. And somehow, you know, we get hurt. And, and, and we kind of wrap our fingers around that hurt. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a ex husband or ex-wife or a boss or doesn't really matter who but we, we, we just wrap our fingers and we hold on to that we won't let go of it and and it robs us of the joy and the victory and the power that god wants to have in our lives somehow we deceive ourselves into thinking i'm getting back at that other person by holding on to this it's, you, you don't forgive people for their sake you do it for your sake See, holding on to it and think we're hurting them is like somehow thinking that I'm going to drink poison and it's going to kill the other guy, you know? I mean, really, that's what's going on. And we hold on to this and, and, and it gets tentacles around it and it gets embedded deep into our heart. Listen, we, we need to deal with our part. Even, even when the person was completely in the wrong and we were completely in the right, we still have got to get to the place where we submit and surrender to God and we ask for forgiveness for holding anything. We forgive that person. We talk to God about those kind of things. David did that in Psalm 142. Listen to what he says. He says, I cry out to the Lord. 
And I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. And I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. David says, I I just lay it all out there before God. My emotions, my feelings, my hurt, my thoughts. I just just lay it all out there before God. Verse 3, he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it's to you who know my way. It's you who knows my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right. And see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. See, David is hurting. But he says, verse 5, I cry to you, O Lord. And I say, you're my refuge. You're my portion in the land of the living. He talks to God about what's going on. He uses the key of prayer. And so these six keys are things that we use to help us when we're going directly to that person to resolve the conflict. And then one more point, point number four. We go, conflict is going to happen. We go directly to that, we go to that person, we go directly to that person. And then point number four says this, the goal is always reconciliation. Again, back to Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. You've gained a friend. You've maintained the relationship. The goal is always reconciliation. See, the the goal isn't to get it off your chest. The goal isn't to give them what they have coming. The goal isn't to get back at them for causing you hurt. The goal isn't even to prove who's right. It's to restore the relationship. And that might mean staying at it until you come to a place that you both can agree to. Not agree about necessarily, but that you can both agree to. It might mean getting help through a professional counselor or maybe through friends who will give you counsel to help you work through it together. It might mean having these verbal barrages with God like you see from David throughout the book of Psalms as he works through it together. It might mean from seeking advice from other godly people who will give you input based upon the ways and the the will of God as to how to deal with this. But you stay at it to restore the relationship. You don't give up on the relationship until the last resort. The problem is in our culture, often it's our first resort, isn't it? Again, Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Again, some of you are thinking, yeah, but, but what if they aren't committed? Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, you can't control what the other person does, can you? But you can control you. And you make sure that you have done, you are doing doing everything you can, making every effort to restore the relationship.
Here's this little phrase that I just kind of want you to reflect on throughout the week. It's there at the very end of your message notes. It's this. That conflict is inevitable. We live in a fallen world. Resentment is optional. We'll get into more of that next week. But here's the big key for this week. Resolution is up to you. You don't ignore it. You don't bail out of the relationship. You don't attack. You don't uh, passively, aggressively get back at them. You go. You go directly. Just between the two of you. And the goal is always reconciliation. But we're going to talk about some of these things more specifically next week. But um, before I pray, you know, it just hits me that maybe there's some of you that are here this morning. And as we've talked about this, I mean, you've got a, you've got a picture in your mind's eye of a person. You know, maybe you're right in the middle of conflict with someone. Or maybe you're right in the middle of not having a relationship with someone because you mishandled conflict with them. You know, your homework assignment this week is to just get started on this. Start praying about it. Start talking to God about it. Start praying that God will give you that opportunity to be able to say to them, hey, could could we get together and talk about this? And when you do, use those keys. Practice learning how to use those I statements. Because the goal is always, from God's standpoint, it's always reconciliation. It's not always what we get. But as much as it depends upon you, the goal is always reconciliation. Well, more next week. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we live in a we live in a fallen world. Conflict's a part of it. Help us to start expecting it, not being surprised when it happens. And when it does, God, give us the ability, give us the wisdom, and then the courage to do the things to approach it your way. To work through it together with the person. Lord, I pray that prayer for each of us in this room, whether we're in this right now or whether we're sitting here today thinking, hey, everything's great in my world. When the conflict does come, help us to do it your way. Because, God, we want to be your people. People who've been impacted by this gospel this amazing mercy and grace that you've you've given to us. People that are committed to your will and your way. And so God, help us this week. Help us in coming weeks when it flares up for us to, to be surrendered people who are surrendered to the ways of God. And I pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.